Welcome to Thrive Through Marketing, the only organic content marketing podcast for mental wellness companies. You have a mission to impact the world, and I have a mission to help you do that, all while increasing revenue, creating a new stream of customers, and reaching people before they even know they need you. With more than a decade of experience in organic content marketing and a deep passion and respect for mental wellness, there's one thing I know for sure. When you thrive, your customers thrive. That's why I'm here to deliver strategies, ideas, insights, and interviews from storytelling and analytics to practical steps and high-level vision. We cover it all. So if you're ready to leverage the power of organic content marketing, let's get started. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Thrive Through Marketing. We're here with Owen Marcus, who is the founder of Everyman. And for more than 40 years, he has explored and developed programs that bring together mindfulness, somatic psychotherapy, and the science of emotional physiology. His postgrad training began in the late 1970s when he completed Ron Kurtz's, the founder of Hakomi Therapies, first professional training. He went on to co-teach with Ron for companies such as IBM, Peter Levine, PhD, the developer of somatic experience, the first somatic-based therapy for PTSD, was Owen's next teacher. His interest in how to use the unconscious mind to produce lasting change also got him an invitation to apprentice with Milton Erickson, MD. It's such an honor to have you here. Thank you for being here with me. Uh, my pleasure, Jessica. So we I feel like we could go in a lot of directions with this conversation <laughs> based on your extensive experience and incredible knowledge. But what I'm really curious about is this brand, Everyman, community space that you've developed and how you've built it with organic marketing, really carving your space in this niche of men, men's mental health. So why don't you start us like at the beginning? Like, how did you start Everyman? What brought you to that as something you wanted to create? Well, a short story. Um, after college, I traveled around, ended up in Boulder, Colorado in the late 70s, spent four years there studying with Ron and a few other people, became a, a rolfer, moved down to um, Phoenix, opened up a rolfing practice that became an integrated medical clinic, uh, continued my training, my postgraduate training in all these uh, somatic, emotional, unconscious realms. Uh, and did it for different reasons. Uh, did some corporate training uh, on the side just to do something different. And then in uh, 95, I realized my relationships with women weren't where I wanted it. And I figured uh, maybe working with men would uh, help that. And I had a resistance to doing that, which was a sign that I probably should do something with it. So uh did a training, started my first men's group out of my clinic in 95, that was uh, mediocre at best, but I didn't give up and uh, moved to Northern California for a year, helped start a really great group here, then moved to uh, North Idaho, uh, Sandpoint, Idaho, did a few things up there. And then 18 years ago, I decided to you know create a new model for men's groups, and, and it's very selfish. I wanted a, a certain kind of men's group, uh, a real level authenticity that I wasn't seeing and based more on the body than some top-down approach. And I asked 11 guys, they all said yes. I went, oh, hell, I got to do something now. And one thing led to another. And over the years, I kept on developing that model, that group. That group has now been over 400 guys have gone through it. We we have 
not one, but five groups, over 50 guys in the community. And one of the communities or one of the groups is a Zoom group for the expats like me that have moved. Uh, So that group continues to go and grow. And I have nothing to do with it anymore. I'm not living there. And then about six years ago, uh, every man evolved out of uh, the Sandpoint men's group. And ever since then, we've been honing the teaching, the method, and all you know, sort of, you might say, the back end stuff. But in terms of the marketing, um, part of it is that we were sort of doing the right thing at the right time in the right place. Mm-hmm. So some of it was luck. And I think in that sense, and I've just seen it particularly in the last couple of years, that men's work relative to the whole culture has now not only become accepted, but some encouraged. And then we got people like, Richard Reeves, who wrote a, his book uh, of Boys and Men, we had on our, our program a few months ago, really laying out why boys and men need help on a more statistical level and institutional level, which really supports what we do and what I've been seeing. So I think the zeitgeist has been moving in this direction for a while, which has helped us. And because of some initial media attention we got six years ago that really launched us and we've been continuing to you know have a lot more um inbound marketing coming to us because of that Mm -hmm. uh so it grows because of that and then i think the biggest reason it grown organically is that what we do works so men get better right and we know how to talk to men because we're men and and one of the things well a few of the things that make us unique is that, as I mentioned, it's more physiologically based. So most therapy and most men's work is either analytical, cognitive, or what I would say top-down. And my whole approach for all these decades has been bottom-up. You know, Get us connected to our bodies and then getting connected to their emotions and then to other people because they're fairly natural phenomena. And, and I was as guilty or as obvious an example of this as anyone in the beginning, if you ask me, what did I feel emotionally? I'd either roll my eyes or try to get mm-hmm. out of the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I realized really from my clients over the years is that I could almost say anything to them about emotions if I contextualized it around stress or the body and the physiology. Mm-hmm. And now with all the work of not only Peter Levine, but now Stephen Porges and others, there's a lot of science that supports what you know I've been seeing for decades. And so we use that to communicate to men and and to develop our excuse me our programs. So men, I think, get that. I mean, they're smart, and when you can explain what's not working and what needs to work around their body or their physiology, they're open. When you start explaining it to them in an emotional context, uh, they're resistant, and and I understand why. And I'm a man, and I certainly know these guys. And I think it's a valid reason. Mm-hmm. So we know how to talk to them. We know how to sort of get them in the room, give them the experience, and then the experience takes them the rest of the way. And then the other part of the experience is they realize that a lot of the the growth and the work comes from peer-to-peer work. Mm-hmm. So every man is really based on that. So it's based on the physiology. It's based on what some would call attachment theory. And out of that, uh, peer-to-peer guys supporting each other. And one of the reasons that guys stay in is is after they get what they needed and after they get the connection they wanted, um, they realize that just showing up authentically 
is a value to another man. And so they go, oh, I want to keep doing this because I'm getting more, but I'm giving more, which means I'm getting more. So all those components that sort of fed the growth of every man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes so much sense. It's, you know, you experience something that feels really good and you feel better than you ever have. And so you want to talk about it. You want to stay involved with it. I'm curious how you developed your messaging, because like you said, it's like the classic case of you don't know what you need, but you want to feel better. And you don't know how to ask for that. And you know how to get them into that by talking about it, you know, from like more of like a physiological approach rather than an an emotional approach. So how do you develop your messaging to resonate with them while getting all of the value of it across without them rolling their eyes? I think it's a good question. And it's sort of knowing what their question is, knowing what's behind their question, like their deeper fears, knowing their operating system, which is really a lot of cultural impositions uh, or limitations and working within those confines, which I sort of like as a challenge, Mm -hmm. but addressing it in a way that they can understand and accept it. And, you know, for example, you can ask any guy, what does he feel in his body? He might not feel anything, but you ask him a few more questions and maybe point point out a few things and he'll feel it. There's no resistance to that. But when you ask a question that's more oriented towards emotions, most guys initially will either resist or freeze. Like they don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's essentially taking their problem and explaining it in a new way, in a way that not only can they understand it, but they can start to accept it enough where they can have an experience. Because as you know, once you have the experience, the experience really does the selling. Right. Exactly. I'm curious too, as you said, we're sort of been moving in this direction of supporting men's mental health, making it more acceptable, less taboo. And what are you, what are you doing in your marketing to set yourself apart from, I'm assuming other communities and organizations that are starting to step into this space as well? Well, some have been there a while longer than us and a lot more stepping into it. I mean, Almost every couple of days, someone mm-hmm. be another coach or organization or whatever, and and they're all pretty much using some version of the old model, which has some benefits. Um, I'm not saying it doesn't help, but no one, and, and I, you know, I honestly can say, and I've been looking and for the year, years, no one does what we do just in terms of dealing with the physiology, let alone mm-hmm. everything else we developed. Right. Uh, or have the endorsement from these top therapists that we do. And so another thing that we support is that men send men. So we support that. We need to do a better job of that. And we're working on it. And then the next sort of tier of referrals are women. Hmm. You know, I don't have a conversation with a woman where she doesn't say, I have someone I want to send to you. Usually their partner or maybe their brother or someone. <laughs> uh, and then therapists, more and more therapists are sending people to us. Um, like my partner's a, a couple therapist, and she's probably our best therapy source because, mm. uh, you know, she sees what it does. And, and, you know, and we do trainings together. We're doing a couple's retreat down in Costa Rica in May, uh, you know, sort of integrating the everyman approach and her approach, which is emotional focus therapy approach, which Sue Johnson developed. And Sue was also on our program. 
and said, you know, when said that, you know, if every man was therapy, it would be emotional focus therapy. And in many ways it would be because we're getting people connected. And that's right. what that therapy is about. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, um, yeah, the media is probably a last source of, um, you know, referrals. And all of it sort of compounds. And collectively, you know, we're carving out this new model that, uh, you know, we call the, you know, the everyman method. Mm -hmm. And go, go ahead. ahead. Do you find, I'm curious because obviously men uh, approach social media differently and they're active in different places. In terms of your social channels, do you experience more engagement, interaction, and conversion from one platform or another? Uh, yeah, we were big on Instagram and then COVID and some other things happened. So that's, and then someone created a glitch. So we got a glitch there that we're dealing with. <laughs> um, so in the beginning, for the first few years, big on Instagram, never did anything with Twitter, minimal amount with um, Facebook. And now we're starting to ramp up um, LinkedIn because I, okay. I think that's where a lot of our men are coming from, mm -hmm. or at least that demographic. Right, exactly. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think it's interesting to think about talking about this on LinkedIn. I don't know that I've seen a lot of discussion around men, men specifically mental health, especially in the career and professional space. I think you're right, which is one of the reasons we're going to do that. Um, I mean, one of the companies I work with is Google X, and Google X is the R&D part of Google. And so we work with their leading scientists, which are mm. probably some of the brightest people in the world. Uh, and teaching them this stuff uh, because they realize, you know, as a company and then individually that they might be brilliant at their particular science that they're doing, mm -hmm. but they weren't trained in these softer, more emotional or m emotional intelligence skills. Mm -hmm. So you work with, in addition to your community, you do training for other organizations as well. Yeah, and, and they come to us. We haven't sought out B2B uh, referrals. And mm -hmm. part of that came from, um, uh, Google came from Esther uh, Perel and, uh, who's a big mm -hmm. supporter. And she's actually the only woman that's ever been to one of our trainings. Interesting. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, but I think there's a, that's a huge potential there, but we just haven't had the resources to develop the B2B. Right. So looking ahead, what organic strategy is really working best for you right now? What do you think you want to start putting, maybe even putting more effort into? In well, we've, we had a podcast and that died hmm. when COVID happened. Uh, so we haven't really put out any content in any consistent way for a while. We, you know, we do, we're back to doing a newsletter now. It's just monthly. So we're looking at amping up that, uh, doing posts on LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I write a lot, but it, it's been focused on our membership. So converting some of that to posts uh, mm -hmm. for an external, you know, market. Um, what else? Um, well, getting on podcasts mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and just, you know, putting the word out. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> 
you're speaking to something that I think a lot of organizations struggle with. I know because I help them with it, which is we have all of this internal content. We have all these great ideas. And now we have to translate that to public facing social media, email, whatever channel you're working on content to start bringing people in. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I do find that chat GPT helps. I mean, to take my, you know, all the content I've written, which is, you know, books and, you know, hundreds of lessons and hundreds and hundreds of more of like these other guides or posts I've done. And, uh, um, so yeah, uh, to make it outward facing rather than just all internal. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing with us about what you're doing, what you're building. It's incredible. And I, I think it's so important. It's becoming more and more important in in our world. I'm raising a son right now. He's only two. But uh-huh. um, <laughs> so I, I think a lot about that uh, because I always imagined having a girl and teaching her how to be empowered in this world and having a boy. It's how do I teach him to be respectful and kind and empowering to the people around him. So um well you probably know that the studies show that boys are actually more sensitive than girls mm-hmm. in the it's around two that starts to go downhill. And, <laughs> you know, you could say some of them it's stress, but you know, girls have it too. But it's really the culture we grow up in. Yeah. And um, so more people are realizing that, more people are trying to change it. I mean, like Richard Reeves' book, I mean, he talks a lot about the boys and the ones that suffer the most are the ones that, you know, the, the parts of our culture that are, that are disadvantaged. But mm-hmm. it happens consistently. And, and we see that and all the work we do with men. And and actually, that's one of the reasons that we get men to us. They go, I don't want my son to end up like me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting thing to think about in terms of marketing is what's that deeper why, which is for a lot of men, I don't want my son to experience this or see me being this way. I want my son to learn from me. So that that's that uh, emotional point that I'm sure pushes a lot of people over the edge to finally embrace this work and, and do it. Yeah, and we had a lot of guys come, and that was the tell was that, you know when they said that, and they often get tears in their eyes, and mm-hmm. uh, and when they you know are in our groups or whatever for a while, the relationships with the kids changed. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen it go 180 degrees where they had teenage boys that all they did is fight, and then six months later, their kids are unsolicitedly telling them that they love them. Right. Wow. Yeah. Guys can change. We, you know, we've assumed that we can't or we won't, don't want to, but yeah. And I think that's part of the marketing is just giving these men hope. Right. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. Again, I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Jessica. And thank you everyone for tuning in. We'll catch you on another episode.